Welcome to episode 719 of the Old Fart Geeks, recorded on the 1st of April 2021. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Good evening, or morning, or afternoon, or wherever we are. It was dark outside my house. So it must be, must be the night of April the 1st, okay. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> How How's things it? going up north? Uh, are you yeah. allowed out of your house yet? Well, see, this is the dumb part. Speaking of... April 1st and practical jokes so at lunchtime today they go hey we've lifted the lockdown you guys are free to go. except you actually can't because you can't congregate in your house um, and if you go out you still have to wear a mask um, if you you know and if you've got other people around and you go shopping you have to wear a mask uh, but if you go to a restaurant you don't need a mask as long as you're sitting down you can also go to a nightclub provided you sit down you're not required to wear a mask and um, but you're still required to follow the the maximum people in the one and a half meter rule but you can go to a sporting event in an oval in an open air situation you're not required to wear a mask at all regardless of where you're standing up or sitting down or if you're near somebody so sounds <laughs> <laughs> like you're having fun mm, that's all this stuff we miss out being in a little new south wales town so basically um yeah i mean as far as i'm concerned it would it's all a lot of crap but you read the so you, you know you only have to read the the Queensland webs, whatever they are, website thing that's got the what you can and can't do and this and that and the other. You only really need to read it three or four times slowly and think about what's been said and you realise you're being had. So <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely an April Fool's joke as far as I'm concerned. At least you get four days off. <clears throat> well, I, the good news is it's I actually get two weeks off. What? Yeah, I only I mean, get four days. I know, but the neat part is because it's a public four-day weekend – and then we're back for three days, and then it's like next weekend's a long weekend as well, and the weekend after. So I'm taking two weeks off, but I'm only actually taking about six days leave. <laughs> <laughs> How do so, you that, so that worked out really well. <laughs> so I'm not complaining about that. But yeah, no, it's still, you know, the weather's still stupid. It was like 12 degrees last night, and it was 30 degrees an hour ago. So... <laughs> Does I don't know. <laughs> and then we're supposed to be... There's a flood, flood warning out already for, like, Sunday, Monday. Oh, we got rid of that. <laughs> we don't want any more flood anymore. <laughs> yeah, your bridge open yet? Yeah. Don't mm. need to light traffic. No big trucks. <laughs> so you still can't get food? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in through the north. Bridge, oh, I was so say, you, right. they go in the other way, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Yeah, speaking of the... Um, April Fool's jokes. I saw everyone saw the Volkswagen one that failed because they released it a few days early. We're going to re- rename <laughs> I mean, the company VOLTS Wagon. I mean, if you go to, you know, 
at least pretend to have an April Fool's joke. You got to at least like yeah, release yeah, it on the right day. <laughs> Technically, so, they should have been the day after us anyway because they're behind us. So. Yeah. <laughs> Like four days too early, so that was a screw up. Everyone's like, "Are they really name renamed the company? It's not April Fools yet or anything." And you're like, "Oh yeah, Bob down at the marketing accidentally released it a few days early. Sorry." Well, it's funny though. There's a there's a quote here by um, uh, Eric Gordon, who's a a business and law professional at the University of Michigan, and he's like, "It's incredibly stupid, but if being stupid was illegal, a third of the CEOs in the US would be in jail." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Is that willingly or unwillingly stupid? I don't think it matters. Um, but I don't know how you embezzled all that money. No, I don't remember that. You but it was sort of funny. Account, there's no money in it. The uh, they got to be careful because it can. <clears throat> in um, 2018, uh, Elon Musk tweeted that he had funding secured to take the company private. And of course, that skyrocketed their stock price. Yeah. Um, and although it it actually cost Tesla twenty million dollars in penalties to the security economics the, the SEC, SEC. Yep. because even though it was an April Fool's joke, it affected the stock anyway. It affected the stock price, <laughs> and they're actually expecting a similar thing to happen with uh, Volkswagen. Yeah. Because it it shifted their stocks and, and everything up as well so okay it, it lifted up their stock price by five percent <laughs> um so it's entirely possible that they're going to get in trouble actually no it has i'm just reading they actually have come through um it's cost oh no so that's for a different scandal <laughs> that was <for> the, <laughs> another <laughs> that was their soft their software screw emissions up software. emissions one that cost them 30 billion pounds yeah. which is like 46 billion dollars so they're just doing the same as the uh, graphics card driver manufacturers that would detect if you're running a benchmark and then boost all the power and everything in them yeah but in a graphics card it doesn't actually affect the outcome that no. <laughs> <laughs> in a car a thousand kilometers range and you only get 600 that's a big difference especially when you're trying to drive somewhere <laughs> so you know um, but uh, the, um i saw subway was releing a coriander cookie which I hate coriander. I'm one of the <laughs> people with that gene that makes you hate it. And it I, like I love the smell of coriander, but I'm not a fan of it. It smells when you cook with it. It smells really good, but yeah. it doesn't do anything for the. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, there actually there are a couple of exceptions to that, but it's specific to Asian dishes. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, yeah, I. I but uh, Boost Juices did one as well. Yeah. Um, where they said they're going to give up all their, they're going to give in to the to the vegans, and they're going to have completely vegan um, juice, juice um, <laughs> and they're going to ditch their mango and coconut smoothie or whatever it is, which is like their highest selling one that they make. <laughs> all the chicks love that one, man. <laughs> I like that one. Um, oh, there we see. Hang on a minute. <laughs> what are you? I see us? what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> you fell into my trap. <laughs> Uh, yes, I mean, there's been a few kind of okay-ish ones. The funniest one I like was Stack Overflow, where if you start copying code from their web pages after a couple of copies, it would say, if you've reached your maximum limit of copying for today, please go to our website and download and purchase our... The key. The key. They call it Stack Overflow, <clears throat> the key, which has got 
a Stack Overflow button with C and a V for copy and paste the only things That would be probably handy. I was going to say, if somebody actually literally made... You remember when Think Geek did those mini arcades that for April Fool's joke, and then they, they actually got really popular. Yeah. And it was the biggest seller they ever. Had. Well, you know, you know that sixty nine. Yeah, that's how they started. Ah. They started off making gimmick like um, not that sixty nine, that that forty nine, the ones that make the gummy bears. Um, I need to look it up while I'm talking, but they started off. Um, um, by making these sort of uh, things that you wouldn't really make, like they they were just like mucking around and making that nineteen. There we go. I think it was that something. Um, so they made these yeah like giant gummy bears that are five pound gummy bears, and they made these massive snakes, and they made all this sort of stuff that. Nobody in their right mind would make. They literally just made them as like April Fool's jokes and as pranks and as things just to have a world record. A big seller. And they've ended up being so popular that they've actually made an entire... Can I buy some diabetes, please? Yeah, basically. They've, <laughs> they've made an entire um, living out of this stuff now. So whether you've got um, the world's largest gummy bears, you know indoor different flavors and stuff and they do giant snakes and they do all this sort of stuff you know uh, and um crazy. all because of that that whole let's prank somebody and it, it just got so popular that they turned into a business model so occasionally a really good prank can actually this this show is a prank everything about this show is a prank one, one of these days It'll be popular. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's the joke very, will be on you. We're going for the long run here. 719 <laughs> episodes. We're going for the long run. Yeah. It, it's, not a, it, it's a slow build. <laughs> very, very like molasses. Yeah. It's like that uh, pitch drop that they caught on camera once 20 years ago. <laughs> yes. It takes like 75 no, years. because the guy went out for coffee. Yeah. That's when it happened. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so they do, you know, so they do... Um, uh, you know, sushi c- candy ones. sushi, and they do like candy pizza rolls and oh, cakes wow. and drinks, and this is all candy stuff. Waffles? Yeah, donuts and waffles, and it's all candy. <laughs> and um, they do normal stuff like licorice strips and stuff as well. But yeah, that's it, it's really. I remember for a party years ago, we actually ordered one of their um, their giant gummy bears. Like I was showing before, they do a they do a big one. That's it's called a serving platter. Yep. And um, it's, I don't know if it's on here, it's around somewhere, but it's basically, it's belly is hollow, so you fill it oh. full of chocolates and stuff. So yeah. you you can eat the gummy bear, but you can also eat whatever is in his belly. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, they're not bad, but... Nine but yeah. out of ten dentists recommend purchasing <laughs> giant gummy bears. But I was going to say, the same thing could apply to this. I mean, it's, it's with this copy and pasting, I mean, it's not unusual to see... Uh, USB numpad yep. or you know so why can't you have a USB copy and paste <laughs> there's a wireless one for yeah, you yeah well there you go oh really I haven't seen a wireless one that's cool I mean it makes sense I've seen a wireless keyboard so it makes sense it'd be a wireless oh it's a Microsoft one sweet yeah it goes with their with sculpt the... keyboard that's the new ones that I get these ah, days ah so that's a replacement for the ergonomic yeah because I'm still running the the old school yeah, I broke she's, all mine or spilled water she, or something. She's a bit beat up. There's not much of the not much of the pads left. And <laughs> yeah, most I had of the like keys three. are missing, but 
everything went out because we had council bulk waste pickup this week so there was so much stuff out there <laughs> i'll have to um i'll have to hit you up after the show and get the details for that keyboard because mine's just about the old space bar is just about it's great i got the sculpt mouse too wow that's different that reminds me of one like. of the old school logitech ones one of the first wireless ones they did it yep. was just like that it just looked like a rock that somebody had sat on the desk yeah, I even <coughs> tried because I used to get a lot of RSI, a vertical mouse, yeah, where you hold it that way thumb. and move it. I could it's never got the buttons get... that way. And then they had the, um, at work, where I was working in Melbourne, the computer industry, because we had limited space on our benches, we had the giant, not not the little trackballs, but the big ones. Yep. I think they were a logic That'd be tech great. And they were, you, like, you, it was like rolling a beach ball around your table. Like, it was just... <laughs> <laughs> like rubbing my belly. <laughs> the one thing I actually used when i had um when i was in the car and i had a laptop set up in the car for doing mobile invoicing and stuff i actually had a thumb tracker one and oh, it had a little sensor on the top of the screen and you'd yep. move your thumb around and it'd move the mouse around wherever your thumb pointed on the screen it actually worked quite well it was very gimmicky i don't think it was intended to actually be functional but it actually worked quite well one of the one of the most popular <coughs> pages on my website is how to get the microsoft sculpt mouse and keyboard to work properly with the Mac. It can easily do it, but you just have to do a lot of research. What do I download? What do I install and stuff? But they all go to my website because it come, must come up in the search pretty much, and that's biggest hit. <laughs> you mean a Microsoft product doesn't work on a Mac properly? No, because oh. they've got all these extra buttons and stuff. What the <laughs> fuck's it going to do with the Windows button? Yeah. Doesn't that reassign to, like, the the Apple logo or something? Not on here. On the keyboard it does, but yeah. not on the mouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's got, oh, okay. it's got that on me. Hmm. Yeah. But that can be reassigned <laughs> to anything as well. I usually use things like I need a back button for the mouse and either a forward button or you can tilt the, the scroll wheel. You can Left tilt it right. to the right and go right page or whatever. That's one thing I miss about this mouse. My my last mouse, yeah, you could do that with a scroll wheel. You could scroll left or right. So if, you, if you're looking, let me zoom in on a picture, you could scroll up, down, left, and right. Yeah. And you can't do that with this one. That's one. I didn't realize how much I use that until I don't have it anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that does bug me, though, the two buttons on the side yep. are literally where your thumb sits. Like, not near where your thumb rests, but actually under where your thumb sits. Mm. When you're holding it, your thumb actually covers both those buttons. Yep. So, if you just slightly move your finger the wrong way, one's the back button and one's a, I can't remember, the scroll, I think, scroll lock. Yep. So, if you just slightly bump it the wrong way, next thing you know, you're visiting five pages ago. No. <laughs> uh, I just be. typed in my name, bank details, <laughs> and I was uh, I have, submit. Yes, I have done that. On That's why it bugs me, because that's the main time it happens. Uh, every time, <laughs> and, and it's not like the browser goes, "Hey, you got information up here. Do you sure you want like you delete right. your email and you click close and goes, "Hey, I haven't finished that operation yet." But no, you fill out an entire twelve-page form. It doesn't care. But <laughs> it's all gone. <laughs> Lol. Uh, anyway, enough about me. <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't know. And that's <laughs> it. For- <laughs> oh, something I found out interesting today. I did a. Uh, probably mentioned it before i was doing a retro gem for the vz200 and i made a new game you can get it from warlock.itch.io it's called pipes and it's kind of a mario brothers type style thing where you jump and flip turtles and stuff 
And uh, the guys were talking about what's a good kind of... Uh, oh, a guy took a photo of his setup and it had a Rode microphone. Oh. And he's like, oh, are you Scandinavian or something? Because it's got the slash through the O. <laughs> and he was like, no, actually, these are from Australia. And um, there's a company in Australia. They're very popular there. And I said, oh, yeah, I've got a Rode microphone. I love it. I use it for my voiceovers. I use it for my podcasting. And so he looked up where they got the name from, and it turns out that it was rodent, like a mouse is a rodent. Yeah. But for a joke, they made the name of the company Rode, and then they named this microphone the NT-1. So it was Rode <laughs> NT. And then they put the slash through it because the owner of the company was his family history was Scandinavian. Yeah, so that's the only reason he did it, but they made in Australia. So well, that was an interesting story. It's interesting how he actually came up with that because Peter Friedman, who who started Road, um, actually had Friedman Electronics. It was a massive, fairly big uh, electronics store. Sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, and um, they started getting into trouble, I want to say... Oh, early, not early 80s, after China basically started taking over, you know, a lot of that sort of stuff. And um, he was trying to figure out what to do. And they're like, well, he had already designed a couple of microphones for bands and for, for bit, but not really mainstream. Yeah. Um, but he basically went, well, let me just pretty these up a bit and, and um, I'll start selling them. And initially... Um, they would have support. They started supporting Friedman Electronics with the mics, and they just ditched Friedman Electronics altogether and went into the sound side of it. Um, unfortunately, um, um, Henry um, died in like late eighties, like eighty seven, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but Peter, who was um, his son, sort of took over and started stepping up with, and he's the one who really got into the the sound side of yep. things audio processing and stuff yeah and um he didn't have a lot to do with it prior to that other than sort of working his dad's store you know yeah um but i'll tell you what it was close it was a whole it was a whole elon musk thing again it came right down to the wire like they were about to be they were about to declare bankruptcy like it was days away from the company being bankrupt yeah and he's fulfilled the first contract and it just Rolled from Same there, thing so. happened with Sphero. Their company was going to go bankrupt and then they brought out Star Wars and wanted to have a round robot with a head on it to be BB-8. So they contacted Sphero and said, can you make something like that? And they did. And then they could license it and sell BB-8s. And suddenly the company took off and everyone's buying remote-controlled little robots and stuff. Yeah. It's, that company was just about to shut down. They weren't making any money. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. Um, it, the <clears throat> unfortunately that doesn't happen anywhere near as much as it used to because generally they'll if they want to buy a product uh, long term they usually look at the the history of the company and sort of go well you know are you a stable company if you're not we don't want to purchase from you but no yeah. that's what happened to us in um when i was working in the computer industry in melbourne it was right in that 2000 era when the whole millennium bug thing was and we refused to be part of that like we just said point blank we're not entertaining that theory and didn't want to know about it. And um, that hurt us because we weren't charging $500 to millennium-proof your system, you know. Uh. And all these other companies around us were suddenly 
going gangbusters and we weren't and we lost a couple of contracts we lost a bank and we lost a uh, flight center because uh, I don't it wasn't actually flight center but one of those uh, travel agencies um, yeah. because they said no we want our servers we want our computers we wanted them all done and we're like well we're not doing it because it's 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 not a real thing like we're not charging you somebody made a compliance thing and everyone just yeah. had to well, jump on board we're not charging you hundreds of thousands of dollars to equip all your dumb terminals certify them yeah. like it's pointless and we lost those contracts and that hurt us as a business like we just about okay, somebody else who will do charge us lots of money and the, yeah exactly <laughs> they did uh, we know exactly who they went to down there too, and they 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 were charging them five hundred dollars per dumb terminal and five thousand dollars per server. God, <laughs> <clears throat> we worked it out at like up. we with the numbers. Got a new yacht next week. Well, with the numbers we had, it was something like a ten million dollar contract with the numbers we had from their systems. Um, but we were in luck. The um, the Melbourne University uh, got quoted from their, the guys that they were using who was actually the ones who took over the the bank and the other operations yep. they quoted the university $5 million or something to secure all their stuff and the head techs of the uni like we're not doing it, it's not a legit thing go away and so <laughs> they fired them but they still needed a tech company to build their servers and rack cases and mounts and all that sort of stuff uh. and we just happened to be doing a seminar there with Grand Tech which at the time Grand Tech was a huge innovation from Taiwan that let you do screen capturing and remote um, teleconferencing and all this sort of stuff and we're doing, a, we're doing a conference at the university on that and one of their techs just came to watch because he was there and he was so impressed that so they approached us after the thing and said, hey, do you guys want to do our tech support for Melbourne Uni? And we went, okay. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> sure, no worries. We can squeeze you in. <laughs> you uh, know, and that's, you know, that was that one, that one key, like that seminar was our last-ditch effort to, to stay open. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it must have worked because they're still using the same website that I built for them back in 99. <laughs> <laughs> Robust as hell. <laughs> That's so funny. You actually, if you go, actually, I haven't checked for a while. But it's yeah. all HTML. Uh, it was all it was all coded in um, uh, a combination of Netscape Navigator Gold and was it Cool Edit or whatever it was that like you do the three D effects on the text. Um, uh, cool Edit was audio editor. Uh, it was something got bought by Adobe and called Adobe Audition now. Uh, okay, it was something that let you do the three D. Like Corel Word Art. Yeah, but it wasn't Corel. It wasn't a big brand like that. Let me just see if they're even still around. Oh, they are. They're still using my logo. <laughs> wow. Damn good logo. Why pay somebody else to do it? <laughs> well, that logo goes back 20... When was I? When did, when did I make that? 99 I made that logo. So that logo's been around for a In while. Paint Shop Pro 2. <laughs> Um, no GIMP. That would have been done in GIMP. GIMP. Yep, uh, that's I've, I've been using GIMP. <laughs> nice. Uh, I have to go back through and have a look at their website later and see if it's still got some of my Memories other stuff on there. Memories like the coolness <laughs> of my mind. Uh, Should we do so some funny. noose? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Google's Maps app will start directing drivers along <laughs> routes estimated to generate the lowest carbon emission based on traffic, slopes, and other factors the company announced. Google said the feature will launch later this year in the US and eventually reach other countries as part of its commitment to help combat climate change through its services. Unless users opt out, the default route will be eco-friendly one if comparable options take about the same time. 
When alternatives are significantly faster, Google will offer choices and let the user compare estimated emissions. What we are seeing is for around half of the routes, we are able to find an option more eco-friendly with minimal or no time cost trade-off. Russell Dicker, director of product at Google, told reporters. Google said it derives its emissions relative estimates by testing across different types of vehicles and road types, drawing on insights from the US government's National Renewable Energy Lab. Road-grade data comes from its own street view cars, as well as aerial and satellite imagery. The potential effect on emissions from the feature is unclear, but in a study of 20 people at California State University, Long Beach, university researchers last year found participants were more inclined to consider carbon emissions in route selection after testing an app that showed estimates. Google's announcement included additional climate-focused changes. From June, it will start warning drivers about travel through low emission zones where some vehicles are restricted in Germany, France, the Netherlands, Spain, and the UK. In the coming months, the map app users will be able to compare car, biking, public transit, and other travel options in place instead of toggling between different sections. Mm. There you go. Keep your carbon emissions <clears throat> down for your car. Get my carbon emissions down. Stop beating make beans is what you're trying to say, right? Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. And cabbage and onions. Uh, beans, beans, a musical fruit. <laughs> I was watching. Yeah, I was watching uh, Blazing Saddles the other day. Ah, oh, that'd be good fun. Oh, <laughs> uh, that scene cracks me up every time. <laughs> so funny. They didn't want it in there. They're like, no, you can't play that scene. He's like, guess Too I bad. I got creative control over the movie. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> uh, hey, look, see, I wasn't lying. I found an article. The their website's not up anymore. Well, not great anymore, but. Um, Grantech 1394 Firewire host adapters for video conferencing and stuff. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so they've still got that article on their website <laughs> back from nine, 2001, I think it was. Yeah, there you go, July 2001. Wow. In the, what magazine was that? Uh, I can't even remember what magazine that was now. Like home computing or something. All right. <laughs> back in the day. Oh, man. That was uh, memories. When was that? Let's see if I can find a date. It's funny because you go to the industry magazine reviews, and that was Australian. They got the video, Australian Video Camera Magazine, July two thousand and one. PC Update, September two thousand and one. <laughs> Melbourne PC, Melbourne Group, two thousand and one. The Age IT Section, two thousand and one. <laughs> it's like, guys, come on! <laughs> you haven't done anything in like twenty years. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Pull your finger out. I have to admit, though, we had, like, it'd be, I don't know if they've still got it. It'd be worth a fortune now. We had the entire back wall of the shop, and it was a pretty big shop. It was all CRTs. Ah. And it was yeah. all the old, like, IBM VGAs and, like, a lot of monochrome and a lot of EGA, CGA, like, real old CRT stuff. Yep. I bet they don't have it anymore, but it'd be awesome if they did. Yeah. <laughs> the, I remember just chucking so much of that into skips. Just, oh, man. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the old computers. I've got a computer, a bookshelf this week, a big one that's got my Amiga VZ300 and Commodore 64 and then the programming books and other books all around it. Looks really schmick. Yeah, it's, uh, it fits perfectly. It's almost like you're meant to do it. Maybe I should have. <laughs> yeah, if you had actually meant... Imagine what it would be like if you actually meant to do it. Yeah. It's uh, 
Uh, it's not going to really show up too well, but yeah. As you can see it sitting there with uh, your little tiny computers and your bigger... Can you there's a difference in it. I mean, that's a good illustration of like what Omega 500 versus... Is it Omega 500 on the top? Yep. Yeah. And I can't see what the other ones are. Is that a Commodore letter in the bottom? Commodore 64? Yep. Yeah. Commodore 64C and in the middle VZ300. VZ. So that's the difference. I mean, they're all about the same age. So technically, they're all very similar internally. But you look at the size difference on the... Commodore 64 goes at 1 megahertz. The VZ at 4.64 megahertz. And Omega, I don't even know. <laughs> Omega 500. Uh, yeah, it was... I can't remember now. Four, six. There was... I think at the time uh, it was touted as the most powerful, but I mean, how do you rate, you know, power? Yep. You know, like it's uh, it's like they do these days. They seven. Seven. Okay. It wasn't far off with six. I knew it was faster than a lot of them. I think it's it, Motorola 68,000. I think that Amstrad the, had the, the colored keyboard with the built-on tape drive. I think it was matching it pretty well for pace from memory. Uh, but yeah, good old. Might nice be the six one twenty eight. Something like that. Amstrad, I, yep. can't, I think it was actually a VGA output instead of a uh, analog. I think it was one of the first digital. I don't know. I can't remember things. <laughs> don't ask me things. Xiaomi. We're old farts. Speaking of Xiaomi. Bless you. See Xiaomi's. <gasps> Love them. Pretty great. They're pretty little slab. Jeez, here, freaking. This thing has been dropped from everywhere. It's slid off the roof of the car. It's been kicked across the workshop. It's had things dropped on it. It's fallen off the floor. Like, it just... On purpose? <laughs> Not generally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just keeps coming back for more. It's amazing. The battery life. I'm at 89% and I took it off the charge at 6 o'clock this morning. Yep. Like, it's just phenomenal, these things. But anyway, enough about that. Um... Mine sixty six percent. So and it was charging in the car while I was driving earlier today. I oh no, it wasn't. I've oh, used a fair bit of off, money. off the off the charge sixty six percent now. So you're doing much better. Yeah, well, if I look at the work, and this has got a lot of stuff on it. My work phone, which we just use for phone calls, I think it's only got emails and phone calls set up. It doesn't have Facebook and all the other notif push notifications. I checked it just before, and it's still on ninety eight percent. Nice. <laughs> Is it Nokia? No, same. It's actually, <laughs> it it's actually like it would be. It's the same phone as this. It's actually the same uh. one, um, same model, the Note Five uh, Nine or whatever they are. But it, uh, it it's only got email push notification. That's the only push yeah. notification it has. So it doesn't use a lot of battery checking every you know minute or two. Yeah. Um, and for phone calls, yeah, and it's still ninety eight percent. So nice. <laughs> I've, I've I normally charge it up on Monday and it's fine all week. I don't worry about it. <laughs> It's so weird having a phone you can do that with. Um, but anyway, so Xiaomi has confirmed and that it will start an electric car business. Nice. With batteries that will last all week. <laughs> 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 um, with an initial investment of $10 billion or $10 billion RMB, which is about $1.5 billion, uh, and $10 billion over the next 10 years, the company will set up a wholly owned subsidiary to operate some electric vehicle business, it wrote an investor filing. Uh, it's yet to say where it plans to sell the car. Um, won't be America. No. <laughs> uh, in addition to Xiaomi, other Chinese tech companies, including Huawei and Baidu, are rumored to be developing smart EVs as well. 
The Chinese market's already fairly crowded. It really is. There's a lot of Chinese EVs. Like, yeah, just insane. And now they're manufacturing Teslas there as well. Wow. Um, and the sales, Tesla sales, just Tesla sales, not including all other ones, are expected to increase 50% this year. So, nice. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't have much information. It's only started in the infancy stage of doing the whole thing. It's having trouble sourcing parts because of the US engines. Um, won't be a big deal ultimately once the Tesla factory gets up and going. A lot of the uh, so like batteries and stuff will be made there. So they're, they're going to have less trouble with this sort of stuff. Uh, and like 98% of the components now are being duplicated in China anyway. So they're not going to have trouble for long. Um, but they're, um, yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see. They don't have a lot of information on it yet uh, other than um, they're going to go like a different way than a lot of other manufacturers are going apparently. Um, and they've also just released their Mi uh, 11 Ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has a few things. It has the its first smartphone to feature Samsung's new ISOGLG and 2 camera. <coughs> um, which has the Snapdragon triple eight flagship processor. Um, it has the. Um, I'm trying to see. Has a smaller uh, quad curved AMOLED screen on the back uh, that allows you to uh, allows you to take the um, th- uh, thirty two hundred by fourteen hundred megapixel or pixel image with 120 refresh rate, but it uses a selfie cam. So it's got a screen basically on the where your camera would be. It's got a quad camera like this one. And instead of this one having a fingerprint scanner here, it actually has a screen down here. So you can actually see what you're filming or you can use it as a battery monitor or you can use it as just a separate screen or a phone call thing. Notifications. Um, yeah, basically. Um, so it's got the... Uh, it's got a <coughs> 20 megapixel 2.2 pinhole selfie camera as well on front um, which probably have less use now than it was going to but yeah so it's got the 1.1 inch AMOLED screen on the back uh, it also serves as a mirror if you want it to so you can use it for a, for a mirror like that as well um, but yeah so this apparently this whole new uh, ISO gel GN2 sensor thing was a game changer apparently in uh, terms of mobile um, technology it basically uh, it's a 50 megapixel camera um, but it's more it's a bigger sensor um, but it's also <coughs> the way it uses the light is different it, apparently it takes like two photos simultaneously and then, so I can do like what would normally be HDR, where you take multiple images and you set your ranges and get the peak thing. Yep. This thing does it in one shot, oh. uh, without affecting the the quality. It actually often usually makes the quality bigger. It also doubles the light, so in low light, like in pitch black, dark, moonless night, it's almost like daylight. Oh, um, it uses less power. It's also faster. Has the ability to do hundred megapixel images. Uh, in mosaic algorithms, merging three individual 50 megapixel layers into a red, a green, and a blue, and then upscaling to a 100 megapixel single image. Wow. So it's 
the color contrast because it actually uses three individual filters internal like lens filters not digital filters it can actually get the full spectrum of all three colors and when it merges them it's a perfect reproduction uh including light sensitivity and you know stuff like that so you can have it see through the fog or if you want to take a photo of how foggy it is you can see the fog you know like it has yeah. this full range of effects um so it's apparently i haven't really looked into it too much i only heard about it the other day when i was looking up on the news yummy phone <laughs> <laughs> um but the stupid part is this you know this new phone which has got as i said insane snapdragon it's got you know massive memory massive storage all this sort of stuff um and it's only it's i think the base model um has 12 gig of ram 256 gig of storage um, that's the base model and it's nice. going to be like 900 Australian yeah like it's just <laughs> you know stupidly cheaply priced so I think I'd be tempted to maybe try one of the foldable phones if they can make them good and not break if anyone can do it yeah I'm a can I tell you <laughs> <laughs> you remember that infinity or something one that they had the screen that went around 87 percent of the phone yeah what happened to that just a concept phone um no it was released but it just wasn't very popular because it wasn't practical yeah you know whereas this one um it doesn't seem ultra practical but when you realize that like the back that little screen on the back next to your camera yeah. you can do all this other stuff with it you know it's not just a selfie screen Yep. It can be, like, if you've got your phone face down on the table, which automatically puts it into, you can set it to automatically put it into silence. Yeah. The screen on the back will still show you if a phone call's coming in or whatever you want to see, so. That's handy. Yeah. Um, so, if you're expecting a call, you can still, if you're in a meeting, you can still put your phone down, and which mine works half the Do time. Do they have a widget for the price of Bitcoin? See, that. <laughs> it just does that. <laughs> Random. Random. Look, the screen's off. Yep. And the light's on. It just, that's... Lights on, but nobody's home. It's a known... It's supposed to be a security feature. You're supposed to be able to... Like, you twist your phone twice or something, and it comes on, so you don't have to actually go and load the app up and turn it on. But <laughs> the problem is, sometimes when you're looking at your phone and you'll flip it like this, it'll go, hey, you want your torch on? You're like, no, no, I, I just want to... Never mind. <laughs> We already knew that PayPal was planning to support cryptocurrencies as a form of payment, and now the online payment app announced US customers can do just that with its checkout with crypto feature with it rolling out today. After rolling out the ability for US users to buy and sell cryptocurrency directly from their accounts last November, PayPal's new checkout with crypto allows users to instantly convert their Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, or Bitcoin Cash to US dollars with no additional transaction fees. That PayPal then uses to complete the transaction. If a merchant doesn't take US dollars, PayPal also converts those dollars into local currency at a standard conversion rate set by PayPal. The feature will automatically appear in the PayPal wallet if a user has sufficient cryptocurrency balance to cover an eligible purchase, and you'll be able to see your crypto balances for each kind of coin in the app. However, you can only use one type of cryptocurrency for each purchase you make. Yeah. PayPal is not the first payment app to offer support for cryptocurrency. In 2018, its competitor Square launched support for Bitcoin on the Cash app, but the launch of cryptocurrency as a form of payment makes PayPal both a major digital wallet and a cryptocurrency exchange, which could streamline the use of cryptocurrency as a more common payment method. During its Investor Day last week, the company reported that it had 377 million active accounts. <clears throat> yeah, I think it's a great idea. 
And this is what I was saying about having the instantaneous transfer where you can't do a holding. Well, PayPal's an instantaneous transfer. Yeah. That's a one-up over an FPOS, see? So I, I think they're... Um, okay, it's only in the States, which is annoying uh, at this stage, but... Um, Can you get PayPal on FPOS yet? PayPal on FPOS? Not that I'm aware of, no. Oh. Uh, you can do... No, the only one I've seen that's sort of like that's I've seen like Alipay and a couple like that. I think you can use PayPal with Square. Yep. I think they integrate together, but not on a normal FPOS uh, from what I'm aware of. But they probably will. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, the, the place <coughs> that I go to on Friday nights for board games, they've got a little uh, cafe thing there and they've just got a Square <coughs> terminal. Yeah, or a lot of them. Like, yeah, the guy who comes and does their fruit and veg and stuff, he's just got the Bluetooth. He's just got it on the back of his phone. Yeah. And you just swipe the back of that. And so, I just use my watch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do when I remember to take it. Tell um, me watch. Yeah. My, fit, my Fitbit, but that's not... <laughs> the battery life speaking of battery life that thing has been like three weeks since it's charged that's nice it's nuts did I even mention I upgraded to the Fitbit Sense what's, what's, the, latest what's one the difference it's got um, it can do it's going, I'm not sure if it can yet or it's going to be able to do um, SP oxygen level but um, it also has um, Google Assistant oh okay so you can yeah, the other ones only had Amazon, but now that Google has bought Fitbit, they've integrated Google Assistant with it, so you can use that for your talk to it and say things, and then you can uh, make phone calls and talk through your watch, which I've not even tried yet. That's very awkward. I've tried like, with But I use it for... Um, everybody thought being Dick Tracy would be really <laughs> cool, but it turns out that it kind of looks stupid. If you've got... Um if you're the kind of person who get, puts a phone call on and puts it on speaker oh, mode and talks like that? this. And walks around the street and then complains that everyone's making a noise. What is with that? If you want and to do that. probably like talking into your watch like this. <sighs> um, Copy that. Yeah, I know, right? No, the, I have used that feature, not for making phone calls, but um, you know how you can do like uh, reply on Facebook with a voice yep. reply? It's really handy for stuff like that. If you don't have your phone, like your phone's over there and whatever, you haven't got your earphones in, you can do it with, the, yeah, with that. It's good for I doing that sort of thing. Somebody sends a text message or Facebook and I can just go, yep, that's fine. Yeah, or making memos or whatever, but it's not... Um, I take three or four goes sometimes. Yeah. I, I can't say it being a practical app. The one thing I do like, you know, the integration side of it, I like the fact that it vibrates, lets me know I've got a message or a call or whatever. That's cool. Yep. But to actually use it to read a message is okay. But to actually use it for for I had to disable it for WhatsApp. Yeah, and not because WhatsApp is a problem, but because there's one person who was on my WhatsApp. They would send a message. Hi, Jace. Send. How are yeah. you today? Send. Did you see that thing in the news? Send. There's always that one person. Cool. Isn't there? Send. And I'm like. You could send one message and put all that in the one message. You don't have to hit send after every phrase. It's not even full sentences. Sometimes it's like four words. Yeah. Send, 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 send. My watch go. They're like, ah, stop it. Yeah. <sighs> On the upside, at least Engine and Dogecoin are both up today. Yes. Engine's up uh, 8% and Dogecoin's up 26%. Nice. So that's good. 
<laughs> and I got rid of all my dirt. <laughs> I just bought womp, some more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I tried to buy I tried to buy engine the other night and it wigged out and wouldn't let me do it. So I'm fine. I bought some more dirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm still mining away. Yeah, I'm doing eleven dollars sixty three a day if I kept it going all day, but I usually turn it off at eleven at night. So I'm doing like I still haven't got my Tesla Powerwall yet. <laughs> I'm doing like seven dollars a day, something like that. So. All the, um, I think it's all the flooding and stuff just put everybody so back so far. And it was raining for like two weeks solid, so they're all catching up on all the different things. Yeah. Um, so speaking of um, mobile phone companies that are doing other things, Apple hmm. decided to build a battery-based solar energy storage project in California. Wow. It's a really fancy way of saying that they're building a new um, facility for uh data storage yep. uh, and they want to make it independently powered so they're storing 240 megawatt hours of energy uh, which would power more than 7,000 homes for one day wow um, it's um, going to, it's located in California um, solar installations in um, Monterey yeah southeastern Monterey about a hundred miles southeast of Apple's um, California headquarters, the site sends 130 megawatts of electricity directly to Apple's facilities during daylight hours. Uh, at the moment, it doesn't provide power during dark hours, but what they want to do is set up a giant power wall. Um, now, and who will they buy that from? Will well, this is the part that gets a little. He said, she said. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. Most of the reports have said that they're going to be using Tesla um, power. Yep. There's, from what I can find, and as of now anyway, I haven't seen any conclusive reports from Apple to say either way. Um, They have said that they're looking at... uh, Apparently... They're, they're looking at, you know, X number of suppliers to, who can do this. But there's only, realistically in the world, there's only a handful of companies that are capable of doing this sort of scale. Yep. And Tesla's the one on the forefront. And if Apple wants something now and done properly, most likely is going to be a Tesla. Uh, there's, they're not 100% Like LG could potentially do it, um, even though they're using half of the Tesla system now anyway. Um, but, and you could have um, Trina, uh, Trina Bess and you could have, you know, there's a few companies that are making, I mean, there's a lot of companies that make storage, like batteries, like Panasonic, Samsung, uh, LG, that sort of stuff who make cells, but there's not that many companies that make actual full... Giga batteries like we've got in South Australia. Ready to go giant power solutions, you know. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, they also have wind as a backup as well. So overnight, that's obviously producing some energy. So theoretically, they can power. I think they said that it powers their facility for like five days or something of of bad weather. Yeah. Um, but so it's going to be interesting um, that they're sort of heading that way. I thought renewables not good because the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow. Usually one, all the others happening. Yes, I know you're referencing, <laughs> but I give up. 
Only if Big Oil wants you to think that. Oh, look, there's a whole other debate on what is and what isn't classified as renewable energy because well, I mean, it's re- the energy itself is renewable, but is the product that's collecting the renewable energy renewable? Like, <laughs> at what point do you stop? <laughs> how far do you follow the production line? You know? Yeah. Um, but in this situation, I think, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It'll be a hell of a boon for Tesla if they do, just for the the financial boost. Uh, certainly not not that Tesla's struggling at all, but yep. you know to take some of that wealth that te- Apple's got and transfer it to Tesla, I don't think it's going to hurt Tesla shares at all. No. Um, and given that hippie. given that Tesla's going to be trading in Bitcoin soon, I think um, that'll yeah, give you can them a buy decent a Tesla with Bitcoin now, can't you? Yeah, you know it'll give them a decent amount of trading. Uh, not just Tesla, you can buy a lot of their merchandise. If you go to the website and you want to buy a lot of their merchandise, you can buy it on Bitcoin too. Cybertruck. So, <laughs> the, the the dream that's never going to happen. Although they're still, <laughs> I don't know. They're Maybe. still they're still saying they haven't ruled out making it yet. So, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? What's this thing up here? <laughs> so, I don't know. I've given up with that stuff. I, I can't read tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we do Patreon. Obviously, we have our Patreon, um, and we have the, the coffee.com. Uh, we also can accept PayPal donations. Um, but Patreon's a good way. We are doing, actually, we need to do that <laughs> now that we're, now that we're two weeks holiday, we'll have time to do that. We're going to do another Patreon only show. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so we do thank our patrons and we thank our supporters, and uh, it does help us a lot to do, to get, uh, Keep the show running and paying for our Zoom and paying for our hosting and paying for the stuff we need to pay for it makes a big difference. Uh, we're not sponsored. We uh, in any not in a financial sense anyway. Um, so it does help us a lot when when you guys we appreciate throw us a few bucks. It does make a big difference. It actually makes it worth uh, worth continuing to do the show. So yeah. So yeah. Sydney compute computers. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney commuters will soon be able to use digital Opal cards to pay for Ubers, taxis and share bikes and score discounts for multimodal public transport journeys. New South Wales Transport Minister Andrew Constance revealed the planned trial on the sidelines of the Future Transport Technology Summit on Tuesday, four years after first flagging the idea. The trial, which is expected to kick off in mid-2020, will be limited to the 10,000 digital Opal card holders that have been testing the virtual transit card since November, uh, December. As part of the trial, users earn credit on their account, which is underpinned by the Opal Connect payments platform each time they transfer to public transport from ride-sharing services. For the middle of this year, up to 10,000 Opal digital card users will be able to pay for an Uber, a fixed fare Ingogo taxi trip, or Lime Bike journey using their Opal card. If they then catch public transport within 60 minutes, they'll receive a credit to their Opal card account of up to $3. Constance said that if successful transport for New South Wales would look to extend the trial across the network and invite additional providers. We know how convenient using one card is and this could be just the beginning. It could also set in motion the government's plans for Netflix style subscription service for transport which Constance raised first in 2019. Uber Australia's general manager, Dom Taylor, said the trial was a fantastic example of how government and industry can work together to deliver better ways to move people from A to B. <laughs> Sydney-siders. <laughs> government and anybody working together, good luck with that. 
Sydney Siders can already access public transport information via the Uber app, he said. Now they can use Uber to take the stress out of getting to and from a public transport hub and be re- rewarded for it as well. Mm. Fair enough. Because, you know, public transport's ticketing systems are flawless, so yeah. why not? <laughs> no problems there. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, government, Service New South Wales is unable to notify... Um, <coughs> excuse me. Is unable, unable to notify 54,000 customers of, that's impacted by its cyber attack, which is more than half of the people who had the data stolen. Service New South Wales had a hundred and four customer database, hundred and four thousand customers who had their personal information stolen in an email compromise attack against forty seven staff members last year. Oh, I got a question. Hmm. If if they can't find a way to contact them, couldn't they ask the hackers to give them the email addresses and phone numbers that they stole, <laughs> and then they could? Let's buy the blacklist off the hackers. <laughs> yeah. Pay in Bitcoin. It well, works for the ransomware. So here's the thing not? about it. So the data breach, which exposed 736 gig of data between March and April 2020, is likely to cost $35 million to remediate, which is more than five times as much as first estimated. They're estimators on the ball. Um, so the agency has only used... The agency has only used registered mail to notify customers to date and bid to reduce the prospect of scammers impersonating the agency. So here's the thing. This hasn't been on the news, so nobody knows it's going to be a thing. They haven't announced that they're going to send registered mail. I've not heard of it. Um, They haven't tried the emails or the phone numbers that they clearly had that got compromised in the first place. And they haven't put on their website, really, or they haven't advertised on their website other than (coughs) this article. Now, if I'm not expecting something to come via registered mail and a registered mail package turns up, I'm not going to go and collect it. Because it's usually spam and scam anyway. Or it's like, you know, I don't know, something that, you, you know, well, if you're not expecting, like, if you're expecting something from eBay or whatever, okay, fine. But if you're, you know, especially if you're an older person, half of them won't even know what registered mail is anyway. Yep. And even if they did, they're like, well, I'm not going to go all the way down to the post office just to pick up that. And I don't know what it's going to be, so it's in no rush. And after three, I think it's three weeks, if you don't pick up registered mail, it gets sent back. Yep. So. It's going to be a lot getting sent back. They've clearly really tried to contact their customer base. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Um, um, but basically, yeah, so they're. Uh, there's also a further 36,000 people who were never contacted because they're unable to source their current information. <laughs> How do they contact them at any other time? So, <laughs> <clears throat> so if you don't pay for your rego you da- or license, do they not contact you because they've got no way to do it? So the database that had identities stolen had identities stolen that aren't contactable. They also so why were they used in the database? that Service Australia app for COVID tracing. <laughs> so if they don't have the details to contact the people, <laughs> oh, it just gets better. Like, and let's better. just roll everything we can into the service app, and then let everybody get. There are approximately thirty-six thousand people for whom insufficient information is available to send a safe notification by registered mail. <sighs> 
they all put 123 High Street Wonderland or something? The risk to these individuals is considered much lower based on the limited amount of data infiltrated. (laughs) (laughs) So because you can't figure out who they are, their information is not as important. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the hackers uh, don't have any way to contact them if we don't, so therefore they're safe. Oh, dear. But the, are, the funny thing about it is last month when this was all happening, apparently during the there was an, there's been an inquiry and everything, apparently. Yep. <laughs> Not that anybody's heard about it. Nope. But uh, they were saying that last this is last week, they were saying that approximately 80% of people have been notified and have been, um, you know, we've had feedback saying that they've received notification. There's only yeah, about percent of the fifty percent they could send, or and there's only about twenty thousand customers yet to be contacted. So, so he was only off by maths is hard. A hundred, you know, break by what is it? So there was fifty four thousand people who haven't responded yet, and there's thirty six thousand people they can't even notify. Yep. So there's what's that? Eighty thousand, ninety thousand. <laughs> there's ninety thousand people out of the hundred and four thousand people that haven't been notified. So fourteen no, what's that? It's getting worse. Yeah, fourteen thousand people out of one hundred and four thousand have been yep. notified. You're welcome. <laughs> so this is why one of the reasons the COVID tracing app doesn't work because you got <laughs> infidels running the system. Uh, but like seriously, it's it's the. F- <laughs> And they're saying that they're working on other breaches that possibly have happened, but they're not sure yet in cases like the birth, deaths, and marriages department, which they may or may not have been infiltrated in the foreign affairs, in the Department of Foreign Affairs, which may or may not have been infiltrated. It's getting worse. <laughs> I thought for mine, I'd finish on a lighter note. A mafia fugitive has been arrested in the Dominican (laughs) Republic after inadvertently tipping off police with his culinary hobby. After seven years on the run, Mark Ferren, Claude Biart, was tracked down through a YouTube cooking channel he started with his wife, Italian police said in a statement. The alleged gangster's love for Italian cuisine and tattoo ink made his arrest possible, the police said. Though he carefully hid his face, Biart failed to disguise his distinctive body tattoos. Police said they believe Biart is a member of the notorious Negaretta crime syndicate, one of the most feared and powerful in Europe, from the Calabria region to, at the toe of southern Italy's boot-shaped peninsula. He had been wanted for allegedly trafficking cocaine to the Netherlands since, 19, uh, since 2014, police said. Biart, 53, had been living in the Dominican Republic for the past five years and police said he had been keeping a low profile during his stay in the Caribbean besides the cooking videos he posted to the internet. He was known to locals simply as Mark and kept his distance from the Italian community in the popular tourist destination. Lieutenant Colonel Massimiliano Galasso, a Reggio Calabria police official, told NBC News that the authorities had never stopped searching for Biart and recently turned to open source intelligence. There you go. If you're on the lamb, don't go posting videos of yourself making lamb for dinner. (laughs) How do criminals get away with so much stuff when they seem to be the dumbest things out, but they get away with a lot, make a ton of money from it? I don't understand. Uh, Yeah, anyway. (laughs) Um, CBA, Commonwealth Bank of Australia. 
Sued by ASIC for allegedly... Uh, alleged, I did it again. Yep. Allegedly. It was never going to work. I rehearsed this story like four times on a headline because I said it every single time. Allegedly overcharging customers. Um, CBA is facing allegations that are incorrectly charged customers monthly access fees totaling almost $55 million over a nine-year period. Whoops. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was a... What a mistake to make. Absolutely. Apparently, it wasn't their fault because it was a data entry error. Ah. Uh, yeah. There go. No problem there. Uh, need the money, obviously, otherwise they would complain. Yeah. The Australian Securities Investment Commission, that's it, has filed civil proceedings in the federal court against CBA's conduct, which occurred because of 30 different ways in which CBA's systems and processes were inadequate improperly configured or allowed manual errors that resulted in the monthly access fees being charged. 30 different ways that their systems are misconfigured. We had a royal commission and we made recommendations we recommend they don't ever follow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. ASIC alleges that between 2010-2019, CBA charged fees that should have been waived under contractual conditions. Monthly access fees ranging from $4 to $6 were supposed to be waived under specific criteria, such as minimum deposits, etc. Um, some ASIC alleged some charges were incorrectly levied due to wrongly archived data, files, or incorrect configuration of the bank system. This impacted nearly 1 million customers and more than 800,000 accounts, with CBA pocketing $55 million. It received 14,000 complaints over a nine-year period. It has since repaid $66 million, which includes interest on the incorrectly charged fees. Yeah, but how much have they earned on the $55 million? Yeah. The, 66, <laughs> exactly. the $66 million in $10 fees isn't that much in interest, but $55 million sitting in the bank is a much higher interest rate. ASIC committed on proceedings because financial institutions need to... <laughs> ASIC commenced the proceeding because financial institutions need to have robust compliance systems to meet their obligations to customers. They got them, they just don't use them. <laughs> exactly. That doesn't say they have to use them, it just says they have to have them. <laughs> financial institutions were, uh, need to put customers first. Really? Since we're very blurry, son. Nah, it's okay. It's exactly how I feel, so it's fine. And customers should have confidence that the banks they deal with charge fees correctly. Uh, CBA released in a statement apologising for impact for CBA released a statement apologising to impacted customers. (laughs) Get in there. Um, However, stated it will defend how the alleged breaches were expressed by ASIC. So basically, it was their fault. They've admitted it was their fault. They've paid back what was their fault. So everything from from now that happens with the federal court hearing is going to go straight into the government coffers because they've already paid back the people. Yep. Mm. One of us the government's going to make out of that. Mozzarella. Mozzarella. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Crypto Show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, and youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Also, patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads and coffee.com, ko-fi.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Email us, glennwheelwarlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on aussietechradio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows added each Friday. See you next time. Bye.